Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30 p.m. Well, this morning we're going to talk about a topic that, uh, I'm going to be honest, it might scare you a little bit. Uh, it, It can be a scary topic for some, but it's one I promise, I promise that if you can lean in, if you're in the room with me, if you're watching online, if you can lean in with me for just the next few minutes, I promise this is a topic today that can give you incredible freedom. We're in the midst of a series called For What? And here's what we're doing over the month of February as we launch our brand new campus. There's real people, real people on the ground worshiping with us today at East Rock. It's so exciting. But as we launch into uh, February together, we want to declare emphatically as a church what we're for. We want to declare emphatically what we're for. And in fact, I want to be honest with you. I believe it's far more important for us as a church It's far more important for us to be known in our community by what we're for than what we're against. It's not even close. It is so important for our community to know what we as a church are for even more than what we're against. It's not even close. Really, really, what is this series about for us in these four weeks? And if you missed out, uh, started last week in engaging through the month of February. This series for us really is a deep dive into our mission statement. I've got it here on the screen. Our mission statement is to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. We've already been talking about this this morning. You'll hear it often. Um, Maybe you're tired of hearing about it. I hope not. But maybe if you are tired of hearing about it, you're just at the spot where you're starting to learn it and starting to get into your head, into your heart. So what is this series for us? Really, really, last week and this week are about the first part of this, transformed by God. That's really what we're talking about today and last week. And then, over the next two parts of the series, we're going to dive into what the second part of that mission statement means, when we bring hope to others through Christ. And so again, last week and today, we're diving into this idea of transformed by God. What does that mean for us. Last week, last week we kicked off this series talking about that we are for Jesus. We are for Jesus. I hope today that you're for Jesus. I know there's a lot of confusion happening in our world. I know there's a lot of chaos and stress, and, but I hope if there's one thing today that you can say, man, we've got unity about. I've got unity in, in, in my church, in my family. I hope today you can find unity in the fact that we are for Jesus. We're for Jesus. In fact, if you tuned in last week, Pastor Billy did a great job helping set the foundation for this series and declaring this is what it means to be for Jesus. It's about an intimate relationship. Not just some ideal reverence, not just some ideal view of who God is. No, no, it's it's about an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be for Jesus. And we as a church want to declare emphatically, we're for Jesus. Today, uh, we're part two of the series, and we're going to talk today about we are for holiness. We are for holiness. As a Nazarene church, we believe, we believe that freedom from sin is one of the greatest gifts 
that we have in walking with the light. So remember I said last week and this week we're about that first part of our mission statement. Well, well this is what I mean. That part one, we, we talked about we are for Jesus because we believe that transformation is only possible because of Jesus. It's all Jesus. We're transformed through Christ. It's he does the transforming work in us. And so as we talk about what it means to be transformed by God, we have to begin with Jesus, right? Because it's all him. It's all Jesus. But today, today we talk about part two. We're for holiness because holiness is the fruit of that transformation. See, Jesus is the source. He's the one that transforms us. But now, now in week two, we talk about what is the fruit of that transformation in our lives? We are for holiness. So, what does holiness mean? Well, just that word, a basic definition is this. It means to be, to be sacred, to be set apart, to be made whole, to be purified. And if you're like me, when you hear this word, you've got questions. Maybe you've been in the church a long time and you see this as kind of a churchy word. Maybe, maybe you're relatively new to faith or, or new to a relationship with God. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with Christ and you hear this word and, and you just got questions. I'll admit, I have some too. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into just two basic questions about this idea of holiness. I want to dive into the what and the why. What is holiness really? So that every single one of us can leave the room. Every single one of us watching today can leave with a clear understanding of what is this and maybe what is it not? And also why? Why does this matter? Why does it matter so much to God? Why does it matter so much to us that we would say emphatically we are for holiness? So Without further ado, let's jump in now to the what is holiness. First Peter is where we're going to be today. If you have your copy of Scripture, I would love if you would turn there with me. Uh, we have a version event set up today. There's a lot of context today. There's a lot of some notes, a lot of extra Scripture we're not going to get to. And so if there's ever a week that you're uh, interested in diving into that version uh, notes, this would be a great week as you could follow along later in the week. But we're going to be in First Peter chapter 1, and we're looking at just a couple verses here Starting in verse uh, 14, it says this. As obedient children, Peter writes this, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. I'm going to leave that up on the screen for a minute and, and just acknowledge uh, something again that Peter, what he's actually doing, notice here, anytime, anytime you're reading scripture and there's quotes within the scripture, you got to pay attention. So if you, like me, were reading along and you're reading, uh, these are words written by the apostle Peter, you're reading along and you get to this last part and this last part is in quotes, you stop and say, well, what, what is he quoting there? Who is he quoting there? And in fact, if you look in your Bible, you'll see a note that what he's doing here, he's actually referring directly back to the Old Testament, directly back to the Old Covenant, right out of Leviticus. In other words, he is not introducing this new idea of holiness. What he's actually doing is reminding the people of God, the children of God, those that claim to belong exclusively to God, hey, hey, remember what God said, that we are to be holy because he is holy. That word holy, there you see it, it, it several times throughout the word. That word in Greek is hagios, right? And, and literally that word means sacred, blameless, set up. 
part. So it's clear this call to holiness is throughout the scripture. But again, let's ask the question, what does it mean? What does it mean? We see it's important to God be holy because I am holy. But what in the world does that mean to be holy? And maybe what does it not mean? Well, let's, let's again, you got it there in front of you. Let's see clearly what Peter is not saying. Here's what he's not saying. And sometimes when we talk about this idea of be holy because I'm holy, our mind, and we go to all these different ideas, but let's understand today what he's not saying. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying you have to be perfect to be a Christian. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you better never sin or you're not going to heaven. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you earn your way somehow to eternal life with Christ. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying if you sin, it means you're not really saved. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying here in 1 Peter chapter 1 is you will be faced. Listen, not, when, not if, but when. You will be faced with desires, with temptations, right? And when you are tempted, do not conform to them. Do not obey them. Why? Because they are no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. These desires and cravings, they are no longer Lord over your life. Holiness, what is he saying? Holiness is tapping into this power of Christ in you. You're not relying on your power to overcome these temptations and desires. You're tapping in to the power of Christ rising above. Listen, listen, this is so important. Holiness is not something that you do. It is something you receive from God. That's what First Peter 1 is saying. Let's understand. Let's take a step back. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about the what what is holiness? Let's understand a little bit of theology here. And I say that word, some of you start sweating and you get nervous. Just relax. I want us to have a little bit of theological understanding on why First Peter 1 says what it does and why it matters to us. I want to understand today that we have, we have a sin problem. You and I, all humanity, we have a sin problem. In fact, I've shared this before, but really theologically we have to understand that we have a two-part sin problem. A two-part sin problem. I'll explain that. Uh, First is the acts of sin. These are the things, the wrong things that I do that I shouldn't do. I I, I did it, and maybe later I realized I, I, I shouldn't. I cheated. I lied. It was wrong, and I did it anyway. It's sin the acts of sin. But you see, we have a two-part sin problem, not just the acts of sin, the things I've, I've done that I shouldn't have done. We have what we call a sin nature. Theologically, we call it a original sin. And what does that mean? It's this nature that we're born with that is bent towards sin. We're born with a selfishness, a desire bent towards me, 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 what I want. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I do what I don't want to do. When he was saying that, what was he describing? He was not describing just these acts of sin. He was describing this nature within him bent towards sin and destruction and selfishness. But the good news for us is that God sent Jesus into the world To solve our sin problem. That's good news today. It it was a problem we couldn't solve on our own. We were doomed. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. We deserve death because of sin in our lives. But Jesus came. And in fact, through Jesus' death on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. 
He paid the price for our sins. Listen, listen. Uh, in Scripture, we have this big word. We, we call it justification. That's a big word. And just keep tracking with me. I promise the theology lesson will just be a couple more minutes and we'll be through it. But justification, what does that word mean? It's this big fancy word for saying we are justified. We are made right. Not because of our own works. Not because of what we can do. Not because, oh, I looked good and I went to church enough. No, no, no. We are justified. What? But by what Christ did for us on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. And when we read this word justification, we understand that we are justified. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And the moment that you acknowledge him, you turn from your sin, your acts of sin, right? And you turn to him, he is savior and you are forgiven. And in that moment, you get all of God. It's the moment of justification, You see it throughout scripture. It's a beautiful moment. But remember, we have a two-part sin problem. And and justification is so important because it's the acts of sin. Every single sin you've ever committed in your life, right now you can pray and say, God, I turn from that. I want Jesus to be my savior. I believe what he did on the cross was enough that I can be justified today. And in that moment of faith, When you cry out to him in faith, he becomes your savior. You are justified by faith through Jesus Christ. But remember, we have a two-part sin problem. And so there's a second work of grace that we read about in Scripture. There's a second work of grace that we read about in Scripture. You see, as we enter into relationship with Christ, as we proclaim faith in him and we walk with him in relationship, there's a message, there's a call. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16, take up your cross and follow me. See, it's not just a message to follow. It's it's a message to take up your cross and understand biblically, understand historically, the purpose of a cross was not just to carry it. The purpose of a cross was to die on it. So when Jesus says, follow me, but Jesus says, don't don't just follow me. Don't just have faith in me, but, but, but I want you to take up your cross and follow me. It's an invitation It's an invitation to ultimately die to self. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. Because the call was to take up the cross and follow. And the Apostle Paul says, I answered the call and I I have died to myself. That's why he goes on in Galatians 2, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, Jesus, Jesus is our Savior, but he also wants to be Lord of our life. He wants to be Lord of our life. And what does that mean to make him Lord? It means, it means that we die to self. We die to the selfish desires. We die to our need to be in control. We allow him to lead our lives. We allow him to guide us. We, we move from him uh, of a place of being Savior only to a place of being Savior and Lord. I like to talk about it this way. When I taught this to even middle schoolers, I would say, there's a throne room of your life. And for much of your life, you're sitting on the throne. You're in control. It's about me, 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 me. And there came a day when you acknowledged because of your acts of sin and your sinfulness that you needed a Savior. You needed to be forgiven. And so in that moment, you open up the throne room of your life and you invite Jesus in, but you're still on the throne. 
Jesus is there. You have a relationship with him. You have faith in him. He's, he's your savior. High five, Jesus. Thank you. I love you, Jesus. But you're still on the throne room of your life. You're still the one calling the shots. You wave at Jesus. You're grateful. You pray. You talk to him. But he's not, Lord. You still are. It, we believe this second work of grace is the moment when we realize and we answer the call to take up our cross, to follow, to die to self, to get off the throne room of our life and say, Jesus, the throne room of my life is yours. You're not just my Savior, but you're my Savior and my Lord. You can have it all throughout scripture what is this process called it is called the process of sanctification now we talked about a big word justification right now this is another big theological term sanctification and you know what that word means that word is applied holiness literally literally look in in first thessalonians 5 later today that word that word sanctification the root word is the same word that we read for holy holy It is God making us holy when we surrender, when we allow him to be Lord of our life, to sit on the throne room of our lives. He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. He purifies our hearts. We are justified. I like to think of it this way. When we're justified, we get all of God. But when we are sanctified, he gets all of us. He gets all of us. This happens in a moment a moment of decision, a moment of commitment, but it lasts a lifetime. It continues on for a lifetime as God continues to refine, as he continues to purify, as he continues to set us apart to make us holy. A lifetime of surrender. A lifetime of realizing day by day, by moment by moment, what it means to make him Lord. Every now and then you might get up and say, oh, wait a second, I think I, think I kicked him off the throne for a minute. God, Jesus, would you come back? I want you to be Lord again and again and again. So now that we have all of this theological understanding, what is holiness? I want to just share with you briefly out of 1 Peter 1, three things I think are helpful. First, first I want you to know today that holiness is possible. It's possible. It's possible. Are you saying that you're perfect? No, I'm not. Are you saying, Adrian, you're never tempted? I'm not saying that. Are you saying that you never fall short? I'm not saying that to you today. But what I'm saying to you is that when Peter says, be holy as God is holy, he's not inviting us into an impossible invitation. He's not saying to us, do something that is actually impossible to do. He's inviting us into something that is possible, not in our strength, but through the power of God in us. We have to. We have to conclude. Why would God command us to do something that is impossible? We have to conclude then that holiness is, it's possible. It's possible. We can walk in holiness by what? Not by my power and strength. No, by the grace and the power of God himself through Jesus. Some people teach. Some people teach that you are doomed to walk in the grip of sin, but we believe we can walk in the light, in the power, in the love, in the grace provided for us through the power of Jesus. So here's the question that holiness answers. The question is, do you want to walk in sin or do you want to experience freedom from your sin? Holiness is possible. Next, what does 1 Peter 1 teach us? Now that we have some understanding, now that we have some foundation to build upon, we know now that holiness is freedom. Holiness is freedom. It's not a burden. Some of us, when we hear this topic, we make holiness about us. 
what we can do. If we do that, we, we make it legalistic. If we do, we take on this impossible yoke, this impossible burden to have to live up to a certain standard and a certain calling. But, but see, this is the truth for us. Holiness is actually a reflection of the freedom bought by Jesus on the cross. That a believer can live, can live and be free from the grip of sin and darkness. It is freedom in Christ, not an impossible standard that you have to carry around on your strength. It's not a burden. It's not false guilt and shame. And when we make holiness about what we can do, it becomes that quickly, a burden, shame, guilt. This is one of the characteristics of the church of Nazarene. And why? Because it drives us to see victory through the cross. Victory as we live lives of obedience. Holiness is freedom, not a burden. It's not something impossible we have to accomplish. In fact, listen, listen. It is something Jesus already accomplished. That's where the freedom is today. Finally, what what is holiness? Holiness is rooted in love. Happy Valentine's Day. Holiness is rooted in love, not not some duty, not some obligation. Don't miss this. In 1 Peter 1, uh, Peter makes this brief but simple illustration right at the beginning of the passage. Parents, some of you in the room today, some of you watching online, uh, think about this. You desire, you, you want, maybe parents, what's the one thing you could have today? I just want my children to listen. I just want my children to obey, right, right? That's the heart of a parent. We want our children to obey. The question is why? Why do you want your children to obey you? Is it because, is it because you won't love them if they don't? No, of course not. Is it because they have to somehow earn their way into being your child? That that if they obey you enough, then you'll love them enough that they're your children? No. No, that's not it, right? Or, or parents, is it you want your children to obey you because you know what's best for them? And you want, you want blessing. You, you want to bless their lives as they grow. You want to experience them to experience good things, right? And so, and so, look, right at the beginning of verse 14, uh, Peter reminds us as obedient children, he brings this analogy right into the forefront of our minds. He's drawing us back there because God our Father desires for us to live in freedom. He, he, wants, he wants us to experience blessing, not because we have to, not out of some burden or some obligation to earn his love or his approval. That's not obedience rooted in love. Our God has blessing for us, incredible blessing. It's available as we live according to the freedom available to us in Christ. So what is holiness? Holiness is possible. It's freedom and it's rooted in this deep love of our Father. But now I want to get us to the why. I think the why is really important. Why this? Why would we spend the second week of our series talking about this? Why does it matter so much to us, specifically in the Church of the Nazarene? We talk about it often. Why? Why holiness? Why does it matter to God? Why should it matter to us? My wife, Lauren, has a really cool gift. And it's really cool to kind of see her. Um, She can, she can like walk into a house. 
She doesn't randomly just walk into people's houses, but just imagine. She can walk into a house, and I see, like, dingy carpet and old wood paneling and really funky. But she has this, like, vision for it, right? And she says, oh, no, I could see this there. She'll use this. It's got good bones. And I'm like, I didn't even know houses had bones, you know? But, but she can do it. She can, she can look on Zillow. She can see a house. And to me, it's the most funky-looking thing you've ever seen. But she can see it. It's like, oh, no. She, you see, she has this, this vision, not for what it is, but for what it could be. Some of you have that gift with like an automobile. You can see something, it's like a piece of junk, but you see it and you can picture with a new paint job and the new, you know, I don't know anything about cars, so I can't even fake it for a minute, but you, you see it, right? You see it. Or, or there's others. Some of you, uh, I've got dear friends in our church. You, you work with clay. You take that lump of clay and you can picture not what it is, but what it could be. Or, or a piece of, of le- my friend Mark works with leather and he can literally take a, a, a hunk of, I don't know, is a hunk of leather? What was leather coming? You know, but, but he takes it and he literally can, after hours and hours, he, he, he makes like cool, like the belt I'm wearing, you know, like cool things came from this vision of, of something greater. It, it's like this redemptive vision to see something greater, to see deeper beauty, redeeming what we see to become what should be. You see the why of holiness? The why of holiness is holiness is God's deepest desire for you and for me. It's his deepest desire. It's his redemptive vision for all humanity. This is his vision, and that's why holiness matters. That's why it matters. See, to believe, some of us believe our ultimate goal in life is to be happy. It's to be happy. And and man, I don't have to tell you that because you see it in your life. You see it all around you. Everyone around us is just pursuing and chasing after whatever makes them happy, whether it makes sense, whether it's right. It's just whatever makes me feel happy in this moment. That's what I'm going to do. And we're living right now in a world and even within the church where we're just driven all the time. What what do I have to do to make myself happy? We, We believe the lie that the most important goal in life is to be happy. And while God loves you, and God just doesn't want you to be miserable. I, I believe he, he cares that you're happy. But, but the truth is, that's not God's number one goal for your life. His number one goal for you is not just you would be happy. He, he wants what is best for you. Let's go back to the parenting thing, right? Would it make my kids happy if every day at breakfast they had candy? Absolutely. But is that what is best for them? That's a terrible analogy, but it works. Right now in my brain, you see, our God knows what is best for us. And his ultimate goal for you is not your happy. That, that's a short-sighted vision of what the kingdom is all about. Look, look, we're going to land in Hebrews 12. I pray it helps you today. Hebrews 12. Just three more verses today as we prepare to close. And, and this is, again, the why. The why. Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 12, says this, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. This is a redemptive vision, right? This is not a vision of paralysis. This is not a vision of just surviving. This is a redemptive, healing, restorative vision. And then in verse 14, Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. You better believe that's the same root word we just read in 1 Peter 1. Holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. So why this holiness? 
Why is this right living with others and God so important? Because holy is the way God is. He is holy. To be holy, he doesn't have to conform to a standard. He is holy. In fact, he's incapable of being anything other than that. And so because he is holy, all his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think is belonging to him must be holy. So the whole purpose, I want you to hear this, the whole purpose of God's redemption is to make us holy, to restore us back to the image of God. We were created in his image in Genesis 1, but the sin problem in our lives has disrupted that and distorted that and caused us to be broken. But the vision of holiness is a redemptive vision where God wants to restore us back to his image, to the image of our loving God. So so he wants to draw us away from cheap unworthy prizes of this world, the things that may make us happy in a moment but will not satisfy our deepest cravings, our deepest desires. Ultimately, we surrender to God and we leave our happiness in his hands. I want to say it to you this way. God's ultimate goal is not your happiness but your holiness. That's his ultimate goal for your life. Some of us hear that and we push back against it. I want to be happy. Well, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to do whatever. I do this and it makes me feel good. So God must be for that, right? And and I'm just here to tell you that's not always true. God God cares way more about your holiness than your happiness. Look, look, there's this quote. It's a little bit long, but I think A.W. Tozer says it so well. Keep tracking because we're almost done. He says it this way. Go to God and have an understanding. Tell him that it is your desire to be holy at any cost and then ask him never to give you more happiness than holiness. What a great request that is, right? God, never give me more happiness than your holiness. When your holiness becomes tarnished, let your joy become dim and ask him to make you holy whether you're happy or not. Be assured, listen, I don't want you to miss this. Be assured that in the end, You will be as happy as you are holy. But for the time being, let your whole ambition to serve God and be Christ-like. See, some of us have much too small a vision for our lives. We thought the vision was just, God, make me happy. God, God doesn't want you to be miserable. He doesn't want you to be anxious and fearful today, depressed. But the truth is, maybe, maybe some of us have been praying so much for happy. God says, I want to do something deeper than that. I want to make you holy. I, I want to make you set apart from my glory. I, I look at you, and I have a redemptive vision. Not just for what you are. Oh, I love you. But I see what you could be. My power working through you. The freedom you could experience in your life is beautiful. And so, man, child of mine, daughter, son, I want you to be happy, but more than happy, I want you to be holy. For some of us, happy is kind of an idol that we carry around. Today, maybe maybe the Lord would invite you to trade that for something far greater. Today, the question really is about surrender. That's really what 
holiness is. And that's where we get so off track because we think it's this mantle, this yoke that we have to bear that feels impossible. I can't do that. I can't become. I can't be. No, no, no. But today, it's really just a decision. It's just a moment where we decide, well, I surrender to Jesus, my Savior, and allow him to be Lord. Will I allow him to be everything that he wants to be in my life? Will I allow him to lead? Will I get off the throne room of my life? Not just have a relationship where I wave at him, high five. Thanks for my five minutes of encouragement. Thanks for getting me happy, whatever it is. But we, we get off the throne room of our life and we say, Jesus, it's all yours. My life is yours. My life is set apart. I, I don't see how you can, but, but purify me, sanctify me, set me apart for your glory. Take, take something that looks, that looks so ordinary and make it extraordinary for your glory. Somehow in my life, God, I believe you see a, a redemptive vision of what could be. Today, I, I surrender not to my vision of my life, but to yours. Today, I believe some of us in the room, some of us watching today, we desire that. Something within our spirit says, yes, if that could be true, sign me up. I want to trade the cheap excuse that I've been living for. I want to trade happy for holy belief that in that, God will give me so much joy. Yes, even happiness as I begin to pursue him. So, so if that's you today, would you, would you help me for just a minute? We're going to worship together in just a minute, but, but we're going to pause in this moment. So if, if you're still tracking, if you're still listening with me, would you close your eyes for a moment? Because I just want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray that the Lord would help give us clarity and understanding to move all, to quiet all the noise and confusion. And sometimes the things that when we talk about this idea of holiness just get in the way. And today could just be about a simple decision. Today, are you willing to surrender that, that he could be your Savior and your Lord? Are you willing today to get off the throne room of your life and allow him to be seated in his rightful place? Are you ready today for him to lead you into his redemptive vision for your life? Today, I believe some of us, the cry of our hearts is yes. So if that's you today, I'm going to pray for you now. Jesus, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've already done the work. You've already paid the price. You've already paved the way for us to experience the great gift of your holiness. This isn't about what we do. Lord, it is about surrendering and allowing your power and your spirit and your presence to become our Lord. Thank you. What a gift we have today. And some of us have been settling for something else. Some of us have... uh, just for, for whatever reason, we're trying to satisfy ourselves with lesser loves, with lesser desires. But today, the greatest desire that you have for us is to set us apart, to make us holy, to draw us back into your image, how we were created. Today, I believe some of us, some of us are saying yes. Some of us are saying, Lord, you can have me. Lord, I don't understand how you can do it, but I believe that you can. So today I say yes, I surrender, come and be Lord of my life, Lord of my present, Lord of my tomorrow. 
Lord of my future. Make me holy for your glory, for your honor. We believe it's possible today, God. Come meet us as we pray. Come meet us as we cry out to you. Come meet us as we open up our hearts to you today. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.